0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Ruthless Living Podcast in episode number 84. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Jen and Eric, and we get into hearing about their journey, you know, kind of waiting until the kids are all grown, downsizing from a 2,200 square foot home and hitting the road full time in an RV that is barely 300 square feet. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Eric and Jen to the show. How are you guys?
1: Hey, we're great. Thank you. you.
0: I'm good. I'm really good. Where are you guys in the world right now?
1: Um, we are currently in the, a very tiny town called Littleton, North Carolina, staying on Lake Gaston.
0: Oh, nice. It's funny that you said it's a, a very tiny town, and then you used the word little to describe it, which is actually yeah. its town's <laughs> name, which is kind of funny.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now you guys nice c- spot, though.
0: Yeah, no, it sounds like it. You guys consider yourself full-timers, and what I like to do is go back... Mm-hmm to when you weren't full-time? Where were you living? Where were you working? And, you know, where did the idea come from?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. so we, we actually spent the last 15 years living in Florida, um, in Central Florida, this, like, retirement area called The Villages, uh, which is kind of wild. And, you know, we both were working full-time jobs. Um, I work a remote position, and, Eric, you were doing. Uh,
2: I was a grocery manager at a. At a grocery store.
1: Yeah. So we were working like crazy hours. Um, And where did the idea come from?
0: Yeah. Do you remember kind of, were you influenced by it? Did you have friends and family were doing it? Or is it just came out of nowhere?
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's the fact that we both really love to travel. And we would find ourselves going to these places. Like we'd go to Key West and then we'd come home and be like, how can we move there? And we went to Maui, we came home and we're like, how can we move there? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we just kept, you know, falling in love with all of these places that we were visiting and where we just realized we have to figure out a way to just keep doing this all the time. So that's really where the idea came from. Gotcha.
0: Where were you guys in regards to like the size of the house? Not that it really matters, but I think it's fun when we talk about the downsizing, like what kind of home are you (laughs) living in and like how long you'd been there?
1: Uh, So we lived in, yeah, like a 2,200 square foot house. Uh, We had lived there for about 10 years. Uh, We have, we had three kids there that kind of grew up in that house and then moved out. And so downsizing for us was kind of a, a challenge and it took a lot of time. I think, honestly, I think we started maybe six months out and just started kind of doing like a phase one, like how do we get rid of some things And phase two was kind of the realization of, oh, wow, we really have to get rid of some things. Um, And honestly, I think the phased approach helped me not lose my mind because I'm the person that hoards everything. (laughs) And Eric's like, probably going to laugh at me because, I mean, we had like 13 boxes of, you know, Christmas decorations and stuff like that. I'm that person. Uh, So yeah, downsizing was quite the experience.
0: Eric, how about you? Was downsizing difficult for you at all, or we're we just going to put it all on Jen and blame her?
2: Well, I definitely didn't have as much stuff as she had. Uh, biggest thing for me was downsizing all my tools and all the stuff I had in the garage.
0: Yeah, that's what I, I come across for the, the pain point for a lot of the guys. When the guys aren't the hoarder, which does happen, uh, is the garage. The garage is a, you know it's a hard-to-get-rid-of type place to go full-time.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: I think if I ever built a campground, I'd have a garage kind of just area where like the guys, if they want to, they could just go and stand in and just look at stuff. <laughs> I think it would help for some sort That's of therapy. That's a great idea. <laughs> for some sort of therapy. Um, I love that. What do you guys live in right now? What size of a, a rig? And then like, what's the square footage of it now?
1: Uh, let's see. We're in, well, we are in a grand design travel trailer and it's what? 32 feet. I think. So I think it's, um, around 300 square feet, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. So 2,200 square feet to around 300.
0: That is that is a downsize for sure. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> and how long have you guys been traveling full time? I might have missed a date. I apologize.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so we actually started uh, full time about a year and a half ago. But for the first like seven-ish months, we were actually stationary. Um, which actually worked out perfect for us. It kind of gave us some opportunity to get used to living in an RV. And then we've been traveling well, on the road full time since March of this year.
0: It actually is a really kind of smart way, especially, I mean, did you guys have any RV experience before getting this RV?
2: Yeah, I used to be a technician in an RV dealership back in around 2000. And we used to be able to take RVs from the lot and for the weekend or for a week vacation. So we did that for quite a while 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 I worked there.
0: Wait, were these the ones getting repaired?
2: No, they're oh. they're units for sale. Okay, <laughs> I was I was like, this oh, this is going to change everything.
0: Let's talk about that. I wonder it takes two months to get something repaired at a dealership. <laughs> they're renting them out. That's amazing. Well, that's cool that you guys did have experience. Uh, did you guys own one or just were able to borrow them from work?
2: Well, oh, back then we borrowed them and then we bought our first one in the summer of 2017. It was a smaller 17 foot and just to make sure that it was something we were into.
0: No, that's really smart. looks like you guys did some pretty smart stuff. I think a lot of people think, you know, I mean, it's totally fine if you just go for it all at once. But the idea of, you know, doing a little bit of a stationary stay in the beginning to get used to everything, test everything and just get comfortable with it and then hitting the road mm-hmm. is, is actually really smart. It's something I would recommend, especially if people are like, you know, are they're needing to transition with their employers, let's say for some reason, they're remote workers. It kind of helps them because it's like, what's the difference if I live in an RV that's stationary? If I move on the weekends to another RV park, why does it matter? And it, exactly, yeah, yes. <laughs> it definitely could, could help people get through that. So let's move to kind of like, what has the travel schedule been like since, you know, stationary in the last couple months, like, are you guys putting on a ton of miles? Or are you uh, staying month to month, week to week, day to day? What's been kind of your travel schedule?
1: Uh, it's been a little wild. It's been, um, so we left Florida in March and we've hit 18 states and we've got about 10,000 miles of travel just from campground to campground, like not the exploring in between. Um, but this first year was kind of like unusual for us because we actually found ourselves backtracking a couple of times and like going up north and then coming back down south just to kind of hit some different obligations that we had and like family vacations. So it wasn't like um, a perfectly planned, like, hey, let's circle the United States kind of route. It was like really bouncing all over the East Coast. It's been a little, a little while.
0: <laughs> That's a lot of states in like a, a short amount of time. I think we did quite a few really fast as well. And then we've slowed the process. I think. I think next Mm -hmm. month or maybe by the time this actually comes out, now I think about it, I will have lived and worked in 48 states. We'll complete all 48 next week, which is, but I want to say we did like 20 states in like 15 weeks in the beginning. It was (gasps) just, yeah, it was maddening. It was, it was not not a fun way to travel. Um, now you said campground, the campground, is that what you prefer? Do you prefer campsites over boondocking or what's kind of your favorite spot to go to?
1: Yeah, we we do prefer campgrounds. Our rig is not set up for boondocking right now, and I work, like, for my work, I need to really have kind of, like, stable environments, Um, so that's really what we've been doing.
0: Gotcha. And then, do you have a, uh, this is something new that we're doing to the show, is kind of doing some of these favorites. Um, Do you have a favorite campground that you guys have kind of stayed in? And then I'll, you know, get that information from you and link it down below later, but do you have a favorite campground?
1: We do, but this audience really has to keep it on the down low because it's hard to book this place. (laughs) It's always that catch-22 of, like, we want to tell everybody, but we don't want to tell anybody. Um, But I think this campground is probably not for everybody anyways. It's actually a really small campground in North Georgia. It's called Morganton Point. And what we love about it is that there's really – it's a really small campground, so there's not a lot in there. You know, you're not going to have, like, um, the stores or, you know, the parties that happen and stuff like that. It's just you kind of go. It's really quiet. But the most beautiful part of it is that it's on Lake Blue Ridge. And there's several sites within the campground where you can just park and stay right on the lake. And you can bring your jet skis right up or your kayaks or whatever. And you can just walk from your campground straight into this beautiful lake. Um, it's just one of our favorite spots and we try to go there two to three times a year if we can.
0: Nice. I, it is fun that we do find favorite spots and we like to go back to, and I feel like the more I talk to people, their favorite spots have some sort of water involved too, which I like. Um, how's the internet there with you saying yeah. that you kind of need to, <laughs> is the internet there pretty good or no?
1: It's decent. It's nice. decent. Um, not the best, but we make it work.
0: There you go. I've always thought, of doing some sort of business where you share the really terrible internet campgrounds and that's where like parents with like that preteen or teenage would want to go. And you could be like, Oh, I don't know. We read all the reviews and it said the internet was great. I'm really sorry. And then they're just completely disconnected for that week. Um, th- now you said you don't that. do a lot of boondocking or at least the rig's not set up for boondocking, but have you done some? Mm-hmm. And do you have a favorite boondocking spot? And it's totally fine if you don't, if you want to pass, but I just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure.
1: Um, we have not boondocks. I think the, no, even I was going to say we we spent some time at a really cool hip camp that our friends have. Um, but even that had full hookups. It just was in the middle of nowhere. So it kind of felt like boondocking, gotcha. but no, yeah.
0: Okay. No, no worries. What's your like sweet spot for the average stay? How long do you usually normally stay in a spot?
1: Um, you know, we, we, we like like three to four days, but oh. we like three to four days if there's not a lot to do. If we go somewhere that's really cool and we want to explore outside of the, you know, immediate camp area, a week is great so that we can kind of travel on the weekends. But sometimes you're just ready to go after three or four days.
0: Yeah, there I, there have been some spots where I was like, okay, can we cancel? Let's just go. We've been here. Yeah. Let's put the sticker on the map. We can go now. <laughs>
1: so, We've definitely left a couple early too.
0: Yeah. No, and that's what's great about this lifestyle. I mean, it's so hard in a sticks and bricks. I mean, once you move in, you're really moved in. You're committed for, you know, a yeah. while. And that's what's great is there are some areas that speak to people and there's areas that don't. That's for sure. Um, let's transition into work. We kind of hinted a little, what are you guys doing for work now on the road?
1: Um, so I'm actually still working the same type of job that I did before. I just so happened to work remotely for the last nine years. Um, I work in communications and that Eric, since we went stationary, was able to actually retire early. So his full-time job now is kind of (laughs) holding down the fort on everything that we're doing and making sure we're in, you know, a good position for everything that we're doing.
0: Yeah. Like it sounds like you have somewhat of a, a traveling mechanic with you too, right? Where he can, uh, yeah. that's very cool, <laughs> which it, it's interesting. That's a, a, a business that a lot of people kind of get into once they get on the road, they'll go through like an NRVTA training course or something. And cause it's, it's definitely needed. And I always say, you know, I mean, Eric, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but for full timers, Being able to have a mobile tech come to you and you not losing your rig and, you know, they usually get stuff done in a day or two. It seemed to be a huge blessing rather than trying to coordinate dropping off the rig, finding a hotel, you know, staying in a hotel, why it's getting fixed kind of a thing. But um, I know none of that stuff, so I'm kind of jealous that Eric has that background.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty good at fixing smaller things and definitely for full timers, those mobile techs are a lifesaver.
0: Yeah, I've I've never understood anyone that would take it because, I mean, you do, you pay a little extra. I think it's like $100, $150 for the the mobile fee, but it's still all covered under warranty and warranty work. And you just don't lose your home, which is amazing. Now, for work, Jen, it sounds like you need internet. This is a new question I'm asking, too. I haven't really asked people this before. What's kind of your internet setup? Like what carriers are you using and how's that been?
1: I'm definitely passing that one to Eric. It's so funny. People yeah. reach out to me on social media all the time with this question, and I'm like, "Uh, let me ask Eric.
2: That's funny. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, Eric? Yeah. I mean, our it's pretty simple. We use a combination of hotspots with all three carriers, and we just have a regular home router that we can plug any of them into, and it'll power our main Wi-Fi. And then we have a WeBoost RV65 if we need it, if we don't have enough signal.
0: Nice. I think that's the one thing I was reminded about math that I forgot that zero times whatever is still zero. And I think there were times where I'd have no service and I'd be like, you know, what, let me throw out my WeBoost and I'll get it. And it was like, no, zero times zero is still zero. There's nothing you can do. You have to have something in order to increase it.
2: Yeah, for sure. And It'll, it'll actually make the signal worse if you have a good signal already, too.
0: Yeah, there is I've I've noticed that too. There's times where we're like, "Ah, oh, it's not that great," and we'll turn something on and then it actually makes it worse and we're like, "Okay, let's turn it back off." And I mean, but it is I mean, this is why I want to ask this question because I think it is important for people to know and understand that you can't rely on one carrier. It's just, you know, maybe when Starlink comes out, you'll be able to, but for now, you still have to have multiple sources cuz you just never know. And it's it's crazy sometimes that even in the same campground Um, at one end of the campground, it's a better service provider. And then at the other end, it's a different one. So it's just weird.
2: Yeah. We've ran into some campgrounds that were very congested too. It didn't matter if you had five bars and a perfect signal, you're still getting barely any speed because there's so many people on that tower.
0: Yep. And it's interesting too, especially like for me at the campground I'm at right now, it's been pretty empty all week, but it's really starting to fill up right now. So I know internet over the weekend is going to be. Lacking for sure. Especially like at 6 p.m. when everyone goes in and turns their Netflix on, internet just dies.
2: Oh yeah, 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. are yeah. <laughs> like big killer times. Without a doubt.
0: Well, since Eric, you are semi-retired, it sounds like, Jen, how many hours a week are you working? And, you know, this is a question I like to ask, and uh, hopefully the people who you are working for are listening, uh, depending on your answer. But how many hours a week are you working? And are you, do you feel like you're more or less productive because of this lifestyle?
1: Uh, So right now I'm working 40 hours a week Uh, during, you know, this kind of new lifestyle that everybody is living for the last year, where so many more people are working from home than they ever had before. We've been um, really fortunate to have some flexible time off above and beyond like our normal PTO. So I work 40 hours, but saying that I still have a lot of flexibility where we can actually travel and I can like work on travel days or take the extra time off if I need So I say that because do I get more work done with this lifestyle? It depends. Week to week, it really changes. On those weeks where we're traveling every three to four days, um, it's probably lower productivity for me. So I definitely have to make that up, you know, on the following week. Uh, But really overall, I would say it's probably very similar to before when I lived in a Sticks and bricks.
0: Gotcha. And this might be a little too personal and it wasn't on kind of the question sheet, but You know, Mm -hmm. do you think Eric would be retired outside of this lifestyle? If you guys were still back in bricks and sticks, would he still have (laughs) to be working? Or is it because of, you know, I'll I'll make an assumption and I've been wrong, but has it been less cost that allows for this to happen kind of a thing?
1: Oh yeah. Um, And actually that's part of what sort of played into that seven months of being stationary at first was the definitely the cost savings during that time of just sitting still allowed him to kind of finish out his work and get us into that spot where we, we kind of knew like, Hey, once we hit this, uh, sort of milestone in our finances, then we can hit the road. So a hundred percent, if he, if we weren't living this lifestyle, he would still be working, you know, 50 to 60 hour work weeks. Um, yeah.
0: And then, um, it's, Kind of a little backpedal because we probably should have talked about it before, but what's the family thinking about this choice? You guys going kind of full-time, you know, from kids to relatives to neighbors to all that kind of stuff. What was the overall kind of just response when you told people, if you told people? There's a lot of people that just bounce and don't tell people, but I'm assuming (laughs) you probably let people know.
1: Yeah, we let them know. Um, All right, so we have three grown children. They're all very supportive. Our son is renting our house, so he's benefiting from that. Our youngest daughter moved out of state, so she actually is benefiting because we were able to visit her quite a few more times than we probably would have otherwise. And then our extended family, they actually just made the comment. We were just visiting them last week. They're like, we have seen you more this year than we have in the past five years. Um, Our paths have been crossing so much more, and so I think it's really been a great benefit all around. Now having said that, we do have a grandbaby that's coming in November. And so we're actually headed back down to Florida and we'll be there for the entire winter and that's where they are. So if you ask me that question next year around this time, I might have a different answer having a grandbaby, but for right now everybody has been super supportive.
0: Yeah, that was kind of where, you know, I have my kids range from 20 to 30 and there are no grandkids kind of on the horizon right now, <laughs> which is just a miracle that I'm 50 and I'm not <laughs> a grandfather when I became a dad at 19. Um but I will say I that's kind of what I'm excited about this lifestyle too. It really is like, oh well, I gotta go. You know, I get to hang out for a little while, but then I yeah, really I gotta I gotta leave. I'll be mm-hmm. back, you know, in a couple months. Um just because four kids is a lot. I mean, obviously three kids is a lot as well, too, but that is fun that you'll be able to travel. And and I hear what you're saying too from a lot of people that a lot of times we shift from quantity to quality with our family time. Cause it's very focused. Um, yeah. y- you know what I mean? And, and before it's just taken for granted, we're now we're like, okay, we need to coordinate. We're going to meet here. Um, the actual travel isn't as expensive to take a week's vacation to go see relatives is really hard when there's a bricks and sticks and you know, the regular nine to five. But in this lifestyle, I've heard from so many people that they're able to visit family, um, that they just normally wouldn't be able to visit, which is amazing too. I mean, that's a great kind of just, you know, uptick in this lifestyle that a lot of people don't talk about. So I appreciate you bringing it up.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the another bonus too is that we've actually inspired, you know, my sister went out and bought a camper now. Oh, nice. And, yeah, and so she's got her kids out camping now too. And, you know, she hit us up one weekend. She's like, hey, I'm going to be in this area. Can you guys change your plans and con? And we're like, yep, we can totally do that. So it's um, it's actually, you know, kind of rubbing off on our other family members too.
0: Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. Cause at some point you'll just be doing like family reunions, of, you know, your favorite campground, you'll just lock that one up and reserve it for the whole month, take up the whole thing and then everyone just meets there. That'll be very, yeah. So when you guys aren't working, you're not traveling. I mean, that was kind of the transition. What do you guys like to do for fun? What's kind of your, your, your fun thing that you guys like doing? Well,
1: I'm going to, let's see for me. I really like to find like historic downtowns um, when we're out traveling. Like that's my favorite thing to find. And then do some, like, shopping and some take some photos down there. Um, And then Eric?
2: Well, we like to find all the local breweries that are near our campgrounds.
0: Nice.
1: Local breweries, definitely. And then hiking, too. Always hiking with with our pups as well.
0: Did you guys do a lot of that back when you were living in Bricks and Sticks? Was, you know, breweries and hikes, was that really on your radar with that full of a week and three kids? Or is that something new to this lifestyle?
1: We definitely have more time to do it now. I mean, we did some hiking, but also living in Florida, there's there's hiking. But it's not as exciting as hiking like in the mountains is. So
0: Right. No, yeah. I totally understand. And then new to the show, too, is if you guys had to pick a national park, which was your favorite?
2: Uh, so far, I mean, we've only really been to national parks on the East Coast. And we've, we've been to one in Hawaii, but that doesn't really count for our being. <laughs> but uh, we loved Mammoth Cave National Park. Oh, that was God. pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and I think this might be a Gen question: Is uh, what's been your favorite small town?
1: Um, we really love so where that campground is at Morganton Point and uh-huh. up in Blue Ridge, Georgia. That town is super quaint, uh, although it's growing in popularity. So I'm going to say Laj, Georgia, as a backup because that one's still small and quaint.
0: <laughs> and I, 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 the reason I added this question because I just feel like the small towns are so. Unrepresented in people's ideas of traveling or vacations, but there's some of the best spots in our country, and I just feel like we need to like encourage people to go to more small towns, kind of a thing. Um, Do you guys have a favorite foodie or I'll even say brewery at this point spot that you guys can uh, drop that maybe that really comes to memory, and it can be in Hawaii too. Doesn't matter. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Um, yeah. So it's funny. We're actually vegetarians, and so finding, like, a great foodie spot that's vegetarian-friendly is amazing. And we've been blown away by a couple, like, um, Lake Plaston had some really great places that we could eat. Um, and then also, Arrow. this place in the Catskills is called Arrowwood. It's just, like, a super cool, um, it was a distillery, I think. But they also, like, made the, it was, like, f- kind of, like, farm-to-table food also really cool, just like ambiance and everything. Um, yeah, we found a few places we love to eat.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And again, like I said, I'll link all this down below in the show notes, um, just so people can find them and stuff. But I appreciate you going through these, especially being kind of my first guest to kind of this new format that will just get better and better. But I think it's just more information for kind of the RVers now, something I have been doing for a while Mm -hmm. on the show, I call the high low, um, I think it's great if you both want to answer because I think a lot of times it can be different, but it, it can be the same. We'll start with the low. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe you just didn't expect? And we always take away flat tires, internet, uh, can't be COVID related because um, I think no matter what, those <laughs> would ruin anyone's life. But what's just been something that's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe you didn't expect outside of those things?
1: Um, a low? Uh, you know, I think... The, I guess the low for me would be leaving the places that we found out that we loved. Uh, yeah, that's going to be my answer. We, we For example, we went to the Adirondacks, and I know Eric loves it. I had never really been able to experience it before. And we extended our stay there and everything. But still, when you like have to leave that area because you have to get to somewhere else, I feel like that is a low for me. <laughs>
2: Gotcha.
0: No, that makes sense. Perfect sense. Eric, what about you?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. That's probably the lowest point is when we leave somewhere that we love and we, we know we pro- probably won't be back for another year.
0: No, it makes total sense, but it does open your eyes to the possibilities of, you know, I mean, I, I'll make the assumption that you're not going to full time forever and it does give the opportunity to be like, Oh, this could be a place that really speaks to us that we could come back to and live or yeah. visit, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, So the highs, what's been a high in this lifestyle that has been the kind of like, I can't believe this is our life moments that you guys have each had.
1: Um, I would probably say, um, you know, with all the obvious choices, like being, as I mentioned, we've been able to see family more. So that's definitely a high, getting to see beautiful places. I feel like for me, one of the things is like coming together together as partners in a whole new way because RV life does have so many ups and downs and it takes an incredible amount of planning and you're up against challenges, but you also are experiencing like beautiful new things. And so I think it has really been so great for our relationship and made it so much stronger.
0: And how long have you guys been together?
1: Uh, We've been, well, we'll be celebrating what 22 years of marriage next year.
0: Nice. And yeah. Now that you've done this kind of, you know, after the kids empty nest type thing, is it something you wish you could have done before you had kids in your relationship? Do you think I always talk about that? Do you wish it's something you could have done back then?
1: Uh, probably. I I look at people who are traveling even with their kids and I'm envious of that. I, I wish we could have done that.
0: I agree. I, I yeah. didn't do any traveling like this with my kids. So I totally agree. Uh, Eric, what's been a high for you, my guy?
2: I mean, I got to pretty much agree with her that she couldn't have said it any better. That's pretty much perfect.
0: Yeah, it is really one of those things. Like, what's the old joke that um, cocaine will bring out your personality? So if you're a really nice person, it really brings it out. And if you're a terrible person, it brings it out. And I don't know why I use that analogy, but I do feel like the RV lifestyle is one of those things too with relationships. If you have kind of a a rocky relationship, it's going to bring it out. And if you have a... A good relationship it's going to make it stronger because you are i mean any relationship that goes from 2200 square feet to 300 square feet and <laughs> yeah. you don't have your normal like where one's getting away from nine to five or some to that effect it really is one of those things that you really start to test the relationship whether it's spouse or whether it's you know parent um it's just oh, one yeah. Of those, yeah so that's why i'm always like I, you know I, I wonder if this would have been something good if, that people do while they're dating you know they figure it out really quick they're like yeah <laughs> this isn't going to work. There's no way we have not built a backup once together. Let's just move on kind of a thing, <laughs> but no, those are awesome. High answers. If people want to reach out to you guys and find you guys, are you guys sharing your adventures in uh, the lifestyle online? And if you are, um, let me know what those are. And I'll, again, I'll write this all down. I'll link it below, but is there places where people can yeah. find you?
1: Definitely. So we're, we're mostly on Instagram at stairs up In, And then we also have Facebook, YouTube, um, and even TikTok and a website. Uh, we just started YouTube. So we're kind of we're learning. It's small, but we're learning. <laughs> so, yeah, they can come find us at any of those places.
0: And I want to give you a, a huge encouragement that I've talked about on the show sometimes, especially as you guys approach being grandparents. I would kill, I would literally kill to watch video of my grandparents that aren't with me anymore. So if anything, oh. like, like just continue to. You know, document kind of your lifestyle, and if it takes off, amazing. That's awesome. You know, have fun with it. But even if it doesn't, even if it's just something where you guys are creating these digital journals that your family and your kids, and I guarantee you at some point your grandkids are going to want to watch, that part, when people kind of know that, that they're leaving that kind of imprint behind, um, it makes it a lot more fun, and that's why I kind of enjoy doing it, because I think about that, you know, and especially being away from my kids, it was a way for them to still see what dad was doing you know, kind of on a daily basis.
1: That is, that gave me chills. And I've never really thought about it that way. That's, that's great. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think a lot of us go into content creating with, uh, you know, big dreams or, you know, Hey, maybe we'll end up like this channel and, and, and it happens, you know, and people find their little niche and it really takes off, but ultimately it's just a great way to encourage you know, family members and friends, and then just have them be able to just sit down and figure out where you're at, what you're doing. And it's a lot of fun. So yeah, I definitely want to continue to do that. And I'll list all that down below. Again, Jen, Eric, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. I I appreciate you letting me fumble through kind of my new format and figure this out just to kind of change things up a little. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Having us. This was really fun.
2: Yeah, thanks, man. We we appreciate it. Well, another fun episode. Big
0: thanks to Jen and Eric for coming on the show. If you want to connect with them, you can find all their information in the show notes below or really anything that we kind of called out in this show if you're interested in. I'm going to link that down below as well, too. I'm going to continue to try and tweak this podcast to get these episodes that not only encourage and inspire those that are living this lifestyle or those that want to live this lifestyle – but also where you can walk away with some really tangible info to help make this lifestyle even better. So continue to come back each week. We're going to continue to try to make this the best podcast possible for digital nomads. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living over on Instagram, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com, and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.